1: slumber mood for me I'm not gonna lie when your team makes the NCAA championship game and then gets their faces rubbed in the dirt it's a little tough my texts have been blowing up since the ginger ninja showed up and put 18 first half points on us I don't ever want to see the name D. Vincenzo again since it was the first time I really noticed it last night during the championship game. G.A., you could have warned me, bro. You could have at least told me. (laughs) (laughs) You could have gave me a heads up that that we might be in for a car crash in the championship game.
0: Well, I thought you already knew that. (laughs) You know, I... I figured you had already saw that the weather was bad, the roads were slick. You might want to be careful driving.
1: Man, I was blinded uh, by the the bright lights. I thought, "Uh oh, we just got rid of Sister Jean." own destiny is on our side, and then yeah, but then you have then
0: you have Father Foley. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you know, shout out to Jay Jay Wright and that Villanova program. Yeah. You know GA better than most how hard it is to to get to the tournament and win in the fashion that they did. Yeah. And, I, and I know you're, you know, in L.A. getting ready to call Spurs Clippers on TNT tonight, which is obviously, a, you know, we've moved on from the college madness to our, our requisite NBA madness this time of year. But that that's a hell of a run in any era to beat everybody you play by 12 or more points.
0: That's, yes. that's ridiculous. I mean, it was an – Impressive in every facet. And, you know, it was in San Antonio. Uh, just an incredible performance, really. And, uh, and to your point, a dominant one. And Jay Wright deserves an incredible amount of credit. You know, in the modern era, that's I think that's the fourth, third or fourth team to win two and three years. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they deserve a tremendous amount of credit. Great kids. You know, he had experience. They, the way they played both offensively and defensively. I, I really felt like... And I always try to give perspective about a college team. Like that team, they didn't overwhelm you in terms of basketball talent. Yeah. But they had as many good basketball players as you're going to find in the way the game is played today. Uh, And the way they all bought in, how unselfish they all were on both ends. It just was a joy to watch. And if you're a fan, regardless who you root for, you have to respect and appreciate how they played the game, how consistently high of a level they played at. Yeah, uh, It was just an impressive performance. And kudos to John Beeline for what he accomplished. And I was—I know you're a Michigan guy. Go blue. If you told me at the beginning of the year, if I told you, hey, look, I'm going to give you a national championship <laughs> game right now, yeah. you would have signed up for
1: it. Man, I'd have belly crawled. All the way to San Antonio. <laughs> I, I would have been like, yeah, let's get it. You know. Um, and Josh, you want to join us a little later, obviously, uh, with trivia. And we'll talk a little uh, award season with Shoe as well. Um, and we will talk with former pro Rex Chapman about a, a topic, GA, that has really been on my mind. Um, and the, the tournament – highlighted it for me as much or more than anything um just with young players guys who are trying to make their mark in the game you know at at the collegiate level and then obviously at the next level um it's player development man like how has that changed think about back to your days in high school and what went into you becoming an elite level player you know at the collegiate and pro level and what it takes now having you know Knowing that process inside out, having your son going through it right now, what? how big of a change has there been in the attention to detail and the diligence, you know, that you have to put into, you know, just developing your game, working on your craft day after day to get to that level?
0: Uh, it's a lot. First of all, I just – I'm a big believer that the, the kids are just so much more talented today. Mm-hmm. The skill set is so much higher. The attention to skill development is higher. There are more, many more hours put into it. I'm not one of these guys that always professes the, how much better it used to be. Mm-hmm. And what I would say, now, I, you could make a strong, a strong argument that teams were better in, in the earlier era, era only because they didn't they don't stay together as long. Right. And the point I made like people all, a lot of times will point to a, a, a team that I played on and I said, "Yeah, we were I said, "Look, if you look at this Duke team this season, I said, "We were Duke as juniors and seniors. That's yeah. the only difference. Like yeah. we weren't more talented per se. We just had a better team because we played together long. Yeah. Um and so, but having said that, we weren't as good per se when we were freshmen mm-hmm. as these kids are and and that's just the reality and and you know people want to try to say that you know oh, it was so much better and these guys are better and they did they they don't mm-hmm. that's a bunch of bs yeah. these, these kids are far more advanced in their knowledge mm-hmm. um and in their understanding of how to play the coaching is better the player development at all levels is it, it's just better i mean The irony of it is, I mean, the skill's better, but the fact that you're hearing people now say, you know, we might need to move the college three-point line back. Right. Well, would you be moving it back if the skill was worse? Right. Or would you be considering if the skill's better? Because they shoot it better. These kids, the skill level is just improving, and and you see it in the NBA game, Uh, you know, what what guys are capable of doing uh, physically and, and mentally. I just think that the overall the evolution of the game is such that it's better. And I think the tournament, again, we saw a Villanova team, which is, again, they don't have overwhelming pro talent. Right. In terms of guys who are going to be, you know, there are no franchise players on that team. But from a team standpoint, that was as good as it gets. You yeah. can't play the game of basketball on both ends any better than Villanova played this year. Yeah. You, at both ends. You know, they had depth. They had great passing. They defended. They rebounded. They rim protected. They shot the three extremely well. I mean, they did everything you'd want your team to do at a high level. They handled adversity well. You know, th- that that team was impressive. And, and Michigan showed a lot this year with what they were able to uh, Just the team do and how yet. hot they got, how good they were defensively. Right. It was, a terrific, it was a terrific tournament in that respect. I mean, the final four games, Weren't as compelling, per se. Sure, but that doesn't take away from the the, the success and the impact and how good those teams were.
1: Uh, I mean, you, you try and wrap your head around a, a decade, eleven seasons, GA in the NBA, and how hard it is. You got thirty guaranteed spots every year in the league. New spot, new guys coming in for those thirty jobs. You got, and that's not putting you know free agents. Uh, Call ups, whatever international players. I'm just talking about the 30 jobs that you know are open in that league every year. How do you how do you stay locked in and and relevant deep into a career when you know there are guys who physically maybe that are coming in that are that are going to be able to perform at a higher level than a veteran? Maybe not their understanding of the game, but just physically. Like, how does player development? once you're in the league and, and the evolution of that, play into the duration of a career and sticking as long as you can?
0: Well, I think the word I would use that allows guys to stick is trust. Mm-hmm. Because while a, a younger player coming in may be far more physically talented, he hasn't gotten to a point where if, on a veteran team that's competing and trying to win something – that he's going to have earned that trust, and that's where the veteran guys will have the advantage because you know what they're going to do in those moments. Yeah, um, and, and all you got to do is look at uh, the the Houston Rockets. You look at the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, look at their veteran guys, and because and at this point they're you know you, you think about San Antonio, they got two guys coming off the bench that are Hall of Famers, right? right now they're not nearly as good as they were in their prime and I could probably go find guys that are better talented at this stage but I can't trust them to make the plays in those critical moments yeah. when it's winning time the way I can trust those guys and that's why the the veteran guys have the sense. the Rockets you know if you look at the, the Trevor Reasons the, uh, the the PJ Tucker's is a better example of a guy who's you know, doesn't overwhelm you with talent, right? He's not a guy that you look at, oh, man, this guy's going to be great for it. No, nah, but what he is, he, he just brings an element of toughness and trust, you know. Yeah. You got to have guys that in those moments, not only do you know what they're capable of, but you know what they're going to do. And, and from a player, team, coach standpoint, that stuff's vital. You know, you want to know that that certainty gives you an opportunity to have success at the highest level. And then ultimately, you know, the game is going to pass you by. But that philosophy will always exist. Like, that's always going to be the case because that's why young players are young, because they haven't had that experience yet. They may have all the talent in the world, but they haven't learned how to play the game at that level yet. And so that's why you're gonna always have this transition where those young guys when do they get to the point. Uh and sometimes it takes a little longer because they come in earlier, but not always. You know, mm-hmm. some of the guys get it sooner. Yeah. It's, uh, but but that's that's the way the game kinda of evolves.
1: It's amazing, yeah. I mean I'm you like you mentioned, you know, the Spurs have guys you know, and Manu and Tony Parker and really Pal Gasol, a guy who's really on the other side of that ledger in terms of years mm-hmm. of service but still finding ways, you know, to contribute at an elite level, man. It's it's amazing. You know, Joe Johnson, um, Andre Iguodala, David West, Vince Carter. You think about some of the guys still knocking around this league, you know, and it, it well into their 30s, you know, Jason Terry and, and Vince, you know, Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, it's one thing to have – that freakish uber elite talent before to me the guys like jet Terry and and even David West to an extent they're the ones that really stick out to me in terms of guys who have just been so diligent about the craft about maintaining an edge you know uh to stay viable in this league it's it's it speaks to the professionalism I think of each and every one of those guys individually but also just the era in which they entered the league I and you and you tell me if I'm wrong, but there was a time when there was a badge of honor to make it a decade, was it not? If you got to a decade, that felt yeah, like yeah. you had been around forever.
0: Absolutely. And and you know, the other aspect of that as well is those guys that you just mentioned, they also connect better with the younger players because mm-hmm. it's kind of like and you're 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 a dad, you get this. Like so I always Tell people, like with my kids, right? You know, you raise your kids, you're teaching them all these lessons, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, but at home, you're like, sometimes, you're like, man, you know, like, you, you think they're a knucklehead, blah, blah, blah. But your validation comes from when your kids go to someone else's house and then the other parents, are like, oh, you know, such and such, a, <laughs> right. so wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Right. You know, he was just such a joy to be around. And I'm saying to myself, like, you talking about my kids, my son, my daughter? <laughs> really that, that's not how it is at home. <laughs> but, But because, right, they sometimes they just kind of need to hear a different voice, Yeah, you know, to help validate the lessons you're teaching. And that's what it is for some of these players. So it's really important from a coaching standpoint that you have those veteran guys in the locker room who've been there and done that, who those guys saw do that. Now talking to them, validating those lessons you're trying to teach them, uh, those abilities that you're trying to develop. And so it's why it's important to have that balance. Yeah. Um, as a young player, I had it when I came in the league. I came in my rookie year. Man, I got the Kiki Vandeweghe was was on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously Patrick, Charles Oakley. You know, these guys uh, had been in the league a while, had established themselves, and they knew the ins and outs of what you needed to do to become a pro. Not even. And I'm talking about becoming a pro, not necessarily becoming a better basketball player, but all the things you need to do to give your sense, yourself a chance to be a pro. You know, because not all great talents end up being great pros because they don't have all the other elements in place. They, you know, they're not, being a pro is not just showing up at the game. How about showing up on time? How about just preparation, <laughs> right. taking care of your body, getting your proper rest and nutrition, Uh, Understanding game plans, how to study, how to prepare, you know, all those things that when you're a young player, you just kind of go play. Yeah. You know, like when you're in middle school, high school, you're better than everybody else. So you don't, the mental part doesn't play as big a role. But as you start moving up the food chain and you start playing against, damn, he's just as good as I am. (laughs) Actually, he's better, he's more athletic. And I still gotta compete against him, so I gotta figure out a way to beat somebody who might have more physical talent. I gotta mentally be better. And so those are a lot of lessons that for young players they don't get to appreciate. Because when you come in the league initially as a hot shot rookie, you were really good against everybody else. And then you get up here, you get you eating some humble pie. (laughs) Right? You 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 get you, you get it handed to you for a while. And not everybody handles that well. And then that's where you start to learn. It's a process to become great. And that's where those veteran guys in the locker room help because they just went through it. You know, it wasn't that long ago that they were in the shoes that you're in right now.
1: No question. No question. This is an interesting conversation. One that, that I started um, Friday night on the game time set in, and before when Rex Chapman and I were working. So I'm, take a listen to the conversation he and I had about this very same topic and, and much more uh, for the hang time podcast. So John, I, I t- producer John Hartzell. I told him that I had a great conversation with this guy and we we're working on game time last week and we got to, got to give him a podcast here so we can talk some more. Uh, and John is, is a young fella. He's a, he's a millennial as, uh, as they like to say. So he had to, he had to he had to go and basketball reference you, Rex Chapman. He had to go and double check. He's like, Yeah, Rex Chapman. And I could tell he was he kinda gave me that response, Rex, like, yeah, Rex Chapman, old head. And we, we get that nowadays, Rex. And then he came back and he was like, Damn. He was yeah. like he was a he was a baller. I was like, Yeah. <laughs>
2: Like well, don't well, forget, once upon a time. yeah, don't it's forget. A, it's a lot of games, it's a lot of, games, <laughs> lot of injuries, but uh, it was fun. It hey
1: was man, fun. I'm trying to tell you, I, in the NCAA tournament, Rex, and the the entire shift from the one and dones to now recently these these teams where player development and the growth on and off the court of your players seems to be shining through at the Final Four and once you get to the NCAA championship game. As a, as a former player and a guy who's worked in front offices, has there been a marked difference in terms of the emphasis on player development that you can tell the past few years, maybe the last decade, where that's just become something that's more and more important in the basketball landscape?
2: You know, yeah, I, I do. And, and when I say that, I don't really want to give it up like that, but mm-hmm. um, it is that way. And I think that's good and bad. I think any more – Get a lot. We probably talked about this other night. We get guys who don't. They like to go in and work out. Yeah, they like to be put through a workout, ball handling, and shooting, and drills, and all that stuff. And that's great. Um, but you still got to play. And and I know that. Here's what I'm saying. Guys can do things with their left hand, their off hand. Now that we didn't think about this, <laughs> they go in and finish. They jump off if they're left, uh, right handed they'll go in and jump off their right leg and finish a lefty hook off the glass. <laughs> like we used to shoot those idioties. No way. So they can do everything else. They, they handles. It's just the game's different. But these guys who get them young, they start putting in the work. And their fundamentals, I was telling Isaiah, our guy Isaiah on set the other night, mm-hmm. that you know we used to hit people with just improvised moves. You feel the defense? Shifts one way, and you go behind your back and do something else and get the other way, guys. Now they can do that. They can also hit you with manufactured moves <laughs> that, that look real, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's a whole different evolution now of this game. It's you know we us old heads we kind of like the banging and the rough and all that stuff, but I like watching this too. Yeah. Yeah. You.
1: So so Rex, it's it's so strange. Like I, I tell people a lot of. A lot of times, there have been eras of basketball where players came along and they were kind of ahead of their time. Or in an era, you look at it and go, "Man, if this guy had played in this era, the posi- could you imagine if you'd have got a chance to to work in the positionless basketball? You know, you could be a—you didn't have to be a shooting guard or a point guard; you could just be a guard. And yeah, I mean, do you do you sit back sometimes and go, boy?
2: My game would have you know, translated pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I say it all the time. I, I, you know, People will say, they'll ask me, did you see the game last night? And then I say, man, what I, I was built to play in this <laughs> league. You know, when I watch now CJ McCollum, that's right, I love him. I love mm-hmm. his game and everything. But CJ was built kind of like me. Yeah. As a under, an undersized two-guard, really. And I, always, I think now if I could play without people – Touching you and holding you and grabbing you, throwing you back in front of them, <laughs> man, it would be fun. Yeah, <laughs> <Right. yeah. laughs> wouldn't have been fun. I'll tell you what, wouldn't have been fun. is chasing guys around like Michael and them if you couldn't have touched them. Right, right. Michael and Joe Dumars and Clyde if you couldn't touch those guys, I can't even imagine what they would have done.
1: Yeah. Has the game has the game really evolved that much from mid eighties, early you know early eighties when you locked in and kind of coming up in the game, teenager. To now. Has it has it evolved? 'Cause to me it looks that much different. Um not just the rules but the mm-hmm. style, just the way people play.
2: Yeah. You know, we said all these we set all these ball screens at the angles that you didn't used to do. Yeah. You know, that kinda came, you know, really with Mike D'Antoni and those guys. We started playing small in Phoenix uh years ago. Um, you know, myself and Jason Kidd, uh Stevie Nash, yeah. uh, Kevin Johnson, and Danny Manning started for the Suns there for a year. Um, and But, you know, the offense has changed now. There's a lot of false action on one side. Get it over to the other side and run your mismatch. And that's what it is even in college basketball. Mm-hmm. You think back when we were playing growing up. <laughs> You rarely got a ball screen set for you. In fact, you were told don't come over, don't bring your man to the ball. (laughs) Pick away, pass and pick away. Right? So, yeah, I think it has. I enjoy it. Um, There are times I get frustrated because part of me still wants to see some execution and getting buckets off of passing. Mm. And so that's that 's a little bit lacking now, I think uh some teams do it better than others, but um yeah, you know we're we 're getting old when we start talking about you know
0: just run the flex. right
1: <laughs> <laughs> right when you Rex, when you look at your career, like you look back on your own career and you didn 't get a chance to play in one place for eight or nine years, you know what i mean you yeah. you had different stops on your career path. Where where did you feel most comfortable? Like where were you? What season or stretch of seasons did you feel like, man? This thing is finally where I you know where yeah. I want it, and I'm and I'm in a comfort zone where I can just play my my best basketball.
2: Right. You know I got to say I felt comfortable every place I went. once mm-hmm. is when I was healthy. Right. And and I you know once I was healthy, but I pro- I probably never played a hundred straight games. I mean, mm-hmm. now I may have, you know, the last 30 of one season and the next 70 mm-hmm. of the next, but never, never one season. I mean, right. the most I played was 77 games, I think, one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was early on. Right. I would get comfortable, but I, I'll tell you, we had the best team uh, in Phoenix. Yeah. You know, we were playoff teams. And were a lot of really good teammates. Um, I. And you know, I, I, unlike Charlotte and unlike Washington, I didn't have to be. Uh, you know, I, I I wasn't capable of being a number one scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, I could possibly be a two, but really, you know, I was a, a third scorer in an ideal situation, and that's really what it was more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think probably a product of, mm-hmm. and I was playing with Hall of Famers in Phoenix too, right, Jason, Jason, and Steve, and. K.J. would have been if he hadn't been hurt so much. So, right. So, yeah, uh, good players make you better. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's Because it's, uh, I, I always look at it and, and working with so many guys who have played in the league now, you know, and, and it's a diversity of players. Obviously, you're one of the best on the planet when you make the NBA. There's 450 right. to what, 500 of, the, of basically yeah. the best players on the planet. So then to get to that level and there be tears, you know, like yeah. – Like you mentioned, you get to be Michael or you or you get to be that, you know,
2: that that's exactly
1: right. That's that. So it's like I would imagine it's tough for anybody else other than guys who have been in it to understand what that means to go from being. Hey, you might be a McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. Right. And then you get to the league and you're just a good player. But damn, you're one of the best 400 players on the planet.
2: That's right. Um, Yeah. You know, and I I remember (laughs) I may have told you this. Uh, We one of our first exhibition games when I was in Charlotte was against the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And and Muggsy and Dell weren't playing Muggsy Bulls, Dale Curry, they were my teammates, but they were hurt or weren't playing this game. I got on the I got on the uh, bus and got on. They said, You both of them looked at me and said, You ready, ready, Brooke? I was like, Yeah, I'm ready He said, You got black Jesus tonight <laughs> And and I was like, What? And they said, Oh, I got that. 23 from Carolina tonight, that's who you got. And I was like, man, I can't believe they're talking this dude up like this. I know it's Michael Jordan, I know, but he's just a dude. And I got out there, and he treated me like he was a senior in college and I was a freshman <laughs> in college. It was just, and right away I did sort of, I was like, oh, I've, I've not seen anything like this before. Right. And so, you know, there's there's a bit of that that goes on, I'd be lying if I ever told you I, I, I would, at the time I would have said he bet he's better than me. Mm. I'd have never said that. I just couldn't as a professional, you couldn't bring yourself to say those things. I look back now, of course, (laughs) (laughs) but but, uh, at the time you just a perfect amount of young and sort of, uh, immature and and all that. And I, you know, I, I I knew when I was healthy and I made a I was named to an all star team my sixth year in Washington. Right. right. And I uh, went out that day and dislocated my ankle in a mm. game against the Spurs. I came down on Dennis Rodman's foot, bone mm. came out, skin, blood, oh. and all that. Yeah. And I came home, they, they set it, they put it back in place. <laughs> I got home and woke up. I was still in my uniform. <laughs> uh, and wow. I had a cast on my leg. I woke up and the news was on. Oh, (laughs) And it was showing where they replaced me by Hersey Hawks. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. So, anyway, it was a fun. I had a lot of fun playing basketball. I wish I could still do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You you
1: were a guy, too, that broke down a whole lot of the barriers in terms of the idea of what a ball player is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't think anybody who knows anything about the game is confused by what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The, the flair small town kid, mm-hmm. you know, Kentucky. Anytime mm-hmm. you put Big Blue Nation in in the mix, right. you know that it turns it into something completely different. Did you right. know at the time when you were playing, was that weight on you? The fact that you know you were getting looked at differently because of the way mm-hmm. you played and the fact that you know, that hey, white. Yeah, yeah, here's a white guy who plays.
2: Yeah. Quote, quote unquote like, a black, like a black guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well I heard that the whole time growing up and mm-hmm. I I was always kinda c- uncomfortable with it because I mean, I I know it was supposed to be a compliment, <laughs> right? But it's inherently a racist thing to say. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. So so yeah, I just had to live with it. Uh I also did know that, you know, I was playing in a state where, you know, we don't We don't put a lot of celebrities in the world in Kentucky, but we get guys who come here for a year or two now, sure, and they before they're celebrities, right? And that's sort of the way Kentucky basketball has always been. Uh, It really has, Uh, Uh, even back in the day. You know, these guys who play for Kentucky for UK, outside of a little pocket of Louisville in Louisville, (laughs) it's all Kentucky fans, right? And you know, it's a we've got four and a half million white people in Kentucky and about four hundred thousand black people, right. And so it's a weird sort of deal. Throw on the fact that, okay, now I'm a Kentuckian, but I'm also a white Kentuckian. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, at the time, I didn't realize it, but I was after, uh, looking back, I was the best player on the team. Right. So And that just doesn't happen here. I all leave right. school and, you know, I'm in the draft and the lottery and all that. So it's a different story. I can tell you that there were times that I played horribly in college. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. My, my, my cheers were louder than everyone else's. And that's make, that made me, that upset me and it weighed yeah. on me at times. Yeah. I knew my teammates could hear it mm. and you know, they, we would joke about it, of course. So, you know, I could joke about them with <laughs> about <laughs> right. it with them, but still didn't make it any less awkward. Right. And so, yeah. And then, you know, being here, I just wanted to be who I was and I was kind of under a microscope. Yeah. And, um, as an eighteen, nineteen year old, it, it was a confusing time. I can tell you the best time I had here was though it was when I was playing mm-hmm. off the floor. It it weighed on me a little bit, okay. just the social pressure and all that. I'm a, I was always a little um, socially awkward with mm-hmm. people I didn't know. Yeah, and um, so yeah, it took it took some growing up. I probably wasn't ready to leave school emotionally when I did, but. Uh, physically, I was ready for it. Yeah, it worked out, but yeah, it it was it was kind of a trying time.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. A buddy of mine, I told you, two weeks before we worked on game time, he out mm-hmm. of out of the blue, he put a thing on social media. He's like, "Hey, man, when are we gonna get a thirty for thirty on Rex <laughs> Chapman?" And I. I don't know how many times I had to tell this dude, "Listen, man, the other network does the thirty for thirties. That, that ain't us. That's right.
2: That's right." <laughs> but it was you know, funny. I I, yeah, I know. I didn't tell you at the time, but I've had a couple couple different productions. I, uh, I guarantee people it. ask about it, and yeah, I, I you know. Stevie Nash is one of them, one of my buddies. He's got a, a company. He'd like to do something. So I think we'll do something at some point, but it's all a little bit much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you
1: live it, I guess it's a whole right. lot different right. than than yeah. watching it from the outside. Um, yeah. So w- at this stage now, as mm-hmm. a guy who's been a veteran of all this, this different parts of the game, mm-hmm. I would imagine you get a whole lot of people coming to you wanting to find out, what well, what's the secret to, you know, doing this. And what's you know, and I, yeah. and I was having this conversation with GA. Um, sometimes it's just about, you know, serendipity. Like you can be as talented as you want. Mm-hmm. You can have all the right intentions, you can have a great yeah. work ethic, and it's just not meant to be. You That's right. something goes sideways. When you look right. back at it for you, what do you think was the one thing that carried you, even with the injuries and everything mm-hmm. else, you found a way to play as long as you did in the league and be as productive as you were, which is really difficult. I don't think people understand no. how tough that is, how competitive. What was it for you that kept the light shining in the right direction
2: for you to have a career the way you did? That's a, that's a great question, and I probably never really answered it like this, but playing every day at that game, was difficult for me. Uh, it was difficult for me to get. I could. I had to really grind at it. I had to make sure I was getting my nap. I had to <laughs> make sure I was. I was just. I needed to be thinking about who I was guarding. I needed to be thinking about the game plan. I. I couldn't really enjoy it like I see other guys enjoying it. Kind of laughing before the game and can turn it on and turn it off. I sort of lived with it. Now also in height and I can look back in college. I probably started suffering from some depression. I would say the thing that carried me through, because I've got, you know, addiction on both sides of my family, friends, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that. Honest to goodness, I didn't drink. I didn't do anything. Drugs. I didn't do anything growing up. I couldn't get into bars when I was in school (laughs) because I was underage. And they would let all my teammates in, but then they would say, no, Rex, listen, if we let you in, yeah. we'll get in trouble. Everybody you know, knows you. Yeah. yeah, they'll call the police in here. Somebody So I couldn't do any of that. And so there's a part of it that's just sort of dumb luck. My first year in the NBA, mm-hmm. I got in the league. Uh, very first practice, someone from the league came in and said, hey, I listen, y'all can't have beer in here in the locker room after the games because y'all got a minor in the locker room. You can imagine how that went over, right? But, so I ended up getting beer from the other locker room in a garbage bag full of ice every game for 82 or 41 games. Oh, wow. um, but, you know, really, I'll say it's just sort of dumb luck because, you know, later on when I finished playing I, I became addicted to painkillers and went mm-hmm. through years of, of addiction um, I just think had I been exposed to that or somehow had my guard down mm-hmm. earlier that I very well very easily could have you know you talked about serrendipony yeah very easily kind of gone the other way mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's just remarkable
1: because um, <laughs> it is because the talent, disparity, as you know, for Mm -hmm. NBA players is sometimes it's razor thin, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I guarantee you played with guys that you said in your mind at the time, like, this dude can't miss, and for whatever reason, it doesn't happen,
2: you know. That's right. Guys, you see, I could go back to high school. You Mm -hmm. can go back to high school. Think about those guys, three or four guys on my team growing up, Mm -hmm. AAU team. So I was 16, 17, 18, that I thought – those guys are every bit as good as I am. They're every bit as athletic mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, whether it was drugs or, girls or uh, you know, fam, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, and that's that's how it is. That's really no different in you know, in Michigan or Kentucky. Right. You get you're
1: on right. It's, listen man, I, we got. I got to talk to the people to make the schedule, so we can get back we're, on. We'll do it more. I know. We'll we got to get back on the set because uh, that night we'll went by more. so fast, man. It was like it was four and a half hours, and it felt like twenty minutes. So
2: yeah, dude, same. Same for this. So you let me know. we get getting into all the good stuff next time. No question, Rex Chapman, <laughs> man. I appreciate you. Enjoy right, uh, the rest of this
1: NBA season, brother. I'll see you down the road. All right, man. Talk all right, now. You. Excellent stuff from Rex Chapman, former uh, Kentucky star and NBA star. Um, another one of the many interesting guys. <laughs> He's another one of these interesting guys you bump into after their are playing careers over and the perspective is just really unique. Speaking of perspectives, nobody has one more hilarious or interesting than our main man, John Schumann in the Schumann stat. Shoo, what's up? Fellas, what's up? Good, man. What's going what's on with going you? On,
3: shoot. Well, I got some... Uh... 2017-18 season trivia. Since oh, uh, you know we're heading to the end of the regular season, probably going to be talking playoffs next week. I mm-hmm. think we could put a little wrap on on this season with some trivia regarding stats this year. I got five or six questions. Five or six regarding questions. stats this year that have some sort of that have some historical context. Grief. What is this? The ACT? All right, let's go. And we can run through them pretty quick. <laughs> so, the first one is. Uh, what team is set to break the record for effective field goal percentage for the third straight season? Effective field goal percentage obviously is um, field goal percentage, but it takes Golden. into account the Golden value state. of the three. Golden so state. Keep them Golden state. Correct. So last two seasons, they had a effective field goal percentage of 56.3, which was a record both times. Mm-hmm. And then this, this year they're at 57.2. And I don't, Kevin Durant doesn't want to talk about effective field goal percentage but his team is setting an all-time record.
1: KD uh, don't want to talk a lot, about a lot of things these days but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Gold State actually
3: Gold State actually, actually if he wants to just talk field goal percentage, Golden State has the actual highest field goal percentage in the last 23 years, wow. well over 50%. I don't know why he's so um, salty
1: about all this stuff. He should be celebrating it, but I, I don't know. Anyway,
3: um anyway, number 2. What player has averaged thirteen point four points per game in the restricted area, which is the most, the highest average in the restricted areas in the last fifteen years since Shaq averaged fourteen point six in 2002-03. three. Thirteen point four points per game in the restricted area. Thirteen point in the restricted area. Giannis, yes, sir. correct. Oh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the correct answer. He's uh, shooting seventy two percent. LeBron is sort of right behind him. He'll have the second highest average in the last 15 years. He's at 13.1, which is the highest of his career. 13.1 points per game in the restricted area. Shooting 70. LeBron is shooting 75% in the restricted area. Grief. It helps to be wow. 76,
1: 76 <laughs> feet long, like Giannis, when you just want to get to the basket and Correct. get a shot whenever you feel like.
3: Right, but the, the question is, going to the playoffs is is you know, obviously, take objective away, yeah. number one for any opponent is to keep that dude away from yeah, the basket. Take, try and take it away. All right, number three. What player leads the league in corner three-pointers for the fourth time in the last five seasons? Most corner threes. Most most corner threes. He's, he's doing it Trevor for the fourth Ariza? time in the last. Yes, Trevor Ariza, correct. Nice. He has 80. Teammate uh, P.J. Tucker this year is second with 67. Where's Patrick Patterson, uh, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't he's think not, he's has he ever been on that not a, He's, he's not been. A that's a good question. It. I'd have to look. I wonder if the he had a lot of
1: minutes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> the he's record He should be able to get in that mix, too, the way he
3: plays. Yeah, yeah the problem is minutes with yeah. him. The record belongs to Joe Johnson, who had 103 corner threes in 2004-05. that year, the Suns. All right, number four. What player is the first player in the last 20 years – to average at least seven rebounds a game with more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. So he's nope. averaging at least seven per game, and he has more offensive rebounds than defensive Steven rebounds. Steven Adams. Steven Adams, correct. Mm-hmm. Steven Adams She's has 370 him. offensive rebounds and 200. He has almost 100 more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds this year. That is a crazy last last guy to do that. The last guy to do that was Jason Williams with the Nets in 98. At thirty, you averaged thirteen point six rebounds per game, and he had three more offensive boards than defensive boards. Wow! wow. All right, next one. Last season, Eric Gordon set a record for with uh, two hundred six three pointers off the bench. What player needs six more threes off the bench to break that record? Is he is he a?
1: Is he started? Some games this year, even though he's primarily not off the bench. really. This guy's no?
3: been, co- yeah. Eric Gordon is only has a hundred off the bench because he started thirty games. This right. guy, this guy, has mostly been uh, a reserve. I don't know if he started at all, mm-hmm. but these are just three three pointers off the bench. Mm. This guy has two hundred one. Wow. Uh, wow. Not Lou Williams. Eastern Conference. Don't tell us. Don't tell Eastern us. Eastern Conference. Don't tell us.
1: Who has been? Who's been getting him up? Up? Yeah,
3: this guy comes off the bench and he is straight gunning. (laughs) Coming off pin downs, gunning. Triple handoff, gunning. No. Eastern Conference. Let me think. Eastern Conference playoff team.
1: Eastern Conference playoff team. I know. I know the teams is. I know a few of the teams is not. (laughs) Uh. Let me look at this Eastern Conference playoff field. Who would that be?
3: 201 threes off the bench. Wow.
1: Who would have two hundred one threes on any of these no, teams? That's crazy. Uh, I don't know. This is a stumper. That um, one got me stumped.
3: Bottom half of the Eastern Conference totally playoff yeah. uh, picture. So five through eight. Uh. Shoe giving us all the help we can I know. Take, it's like. We
0: still can't get it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's. it's Let's see. Wizards. I was thinking somebody in Indiana, but.
1: Nope. I don't think any. I'm trying to think nah, who would off that not, bench would not, be getting up shots I was shots
0: thinking
1: like of that. offensive warriors. Oh, it's a tough call, man, for me. Let's see. Hold on, Shoe. Nobody on the Heat is shooting threes like that. No. Uh,
3: what about. Nobody on the Heat, huh? I wouldn't think. Oh, 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 yeah, it is. It is.
0: It's old boy from the Heat. From North Carolina. Oh, Wayne
1: Ellington. He's had a great Wayne, Wayne Ellington. Game. Wayne Ellington, that's right.
3: He's needs five, five more threes we off the bench that to sit
1: the right. there. No, one no, did. no. The ones we got. We got pretty yeah. good today
0: this, on this trip. Man,
1: I didn't know Wayne Ellington was getting jacked for beats oh, like that. Man, Wayne, man. He, you he watch him? He comes off the bench.
3: has he's gunning from the threes off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, he's letting them things fly. Hey, all right, you want one more? Yeah, give me, give us one more to see if we can redeem right. ourselves. The Rockets have already set a new single 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 season record with eleven hundred eighty four three pointers. Mm-hmm. What team is six opponent three pointers for sending with from setting the single season record for opponent threes?
0: Hold on, start there. So, what team is giving up the most threes? Yep.
3: Oh man, mm. I would say Phoenix. Nope. You're in the right uh, area, sort of. <laughs> uh, Bad team in the Western Conference. Lakers. Oh, Sacramento. Nope. Sacramento. Yeah, Lakers have been they're getting, good. they're getting, I mean, they don't even shoot threes either, so they're getting outscored by like 9, 10 points per game from beyond the arc by itself. They got dope uniforms, though. They got some nice uniforms. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to find silver lining silver lining for the Kings this year. So like,
3: you know. All right, so all those by the way all we're taping this on Tuesday, so all those stats were through uh right, Sunday's right, right. game. Yeah. Right. It was a busy, busy night on Tuesday, but most yeah. of that stuff is so should, stay, uh So what
1: are your, what is your preliminary ballots look like for MVP? Defensive player, of the year. I mean, where are you at, Coach of the Year? Where are you at on your your ballot research? GA <laughs> Shoe does research on his ballots like uh, Cambridge Analytica, baby. It's it's uh, out no. of control.
3: Like you I know. just don't, uh, I just don't sell it to anybody. Uh, <laughs> well, so where are you at? Where are you at on the, on the MVP? I, you know what? I haven't. I mean, I'm at James Harden right. for sure on okay. MVP. Just want to make sure. After that, after that, I don't. know. I think there's. It's some combination of. LeBron, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, and then maybe Damian Lillard or mm-hmm. something in there. Maybe LaMarcus Aldridge, okay. perhaps. Um, you know, I, I, I You know what? I don't feel as much stress with it this year because last year there was like four candidates who were possible number one. Right. Right. And so like you not only had to do your, I only not only did my research to figure out who I was picking first, but then I had to fill it out the rest of it pretty carefully because I know every like every the second place votes were going to count towards the total like we had you know we had Russ and and LeBron and James Harden and Kawhi Leonard when we went into the voting we're like oh any of these five four guys have a legit case and so we're I was real this year I feel like all right MVP is James Harden and it should be that. And I don't. Know. And so I'm, not, I'm like less stressed yeah. about doing the voting. You know, I don't, I don't feel as, as much pressure to, to, to do with the votes as mm-hmm. much just because it's going to be so, what yeah, it is. That's the
0: thing. Last year, too, I thought it was tougher because you couldn't like for me, like you can look at stats like last year. I thought it just came down to stats mm. only because the impact on, you know, because Golden State had their vote cut. Because, because yeah. of having both those guys. Right. LeBron, you know, was LeBron, but the team's not as good. This year, I, for me, it was about not stats impact on winning. Okay. And that's why I like. I thought Harden was... a uh, To me, like, Harden is head and shoulders as MVP based on his team's performance. Okay. Um, the fact that they're going to be... Right now, they got a six-game lead over Golden State. Now, Golden State's had their injuries, but that's you know what, Houston could, has had injuries as well. I mean, you know, Arden and both Paul have missed significant games, but six games is a lot. So to me, it's not even close. And quite frankly, the guy who I had second, I actually I have I think Damian Lillard. Really? Wow. Is, is yeah. I think, wow, okay. I think Damian Lillard's had an incredible. I I, don't, I think his year is undervalued <laughs> because so much, so many people we don't see him as much. True. You know, but the fact that they're a 3 seed comfortably is impressive to me, you know, because I didn't have them. Like, I thought Houston would be in the conversation for best record this year. I didn't know that they'd get it, but, you know, I felt they were going to be really good. How, they were good last year. Yeah. And then you add a a guy like Chris Paul, you you knew they'd be good. Um, But I, I just think he's had an incredible year. You know, and again, I like the. I, I'm a big believer in winning, man. Like, when you. Your stats mean more to me when you win. Yes. They just do. I mean, because. And you can have less stats and win. Like, that, that's the other thing. Like, because what are you playing for? You're playing to win games. So, you know, I was fine with Westbrook last year because, you know, Kevin Durant leaving, he took a team that, in essence, had a bunch of nobodies and wheeled <laughs> them into the playoffs. Right. And there's a reason why even Shoe didn't. He's basically doing the same thing this year. Right. And he's not even in the conversation. Why? Cuz they're not winning relative to what we thought they would do. So, it's, so, so so really it's a it's as much about
1: your impact as it is your narrative, which is what I always argue with yeah. people. Like that your narrative is so important. Um, I feel like Harden could average 2 or 3 points fewer and if they still were rolling as a team, like his individual Absolutely. stats wouldn't be damaged to his cause at all because of the narrative.
0: Listen, that's why Steph wanted the first time, right? Steph's numbers were they were good, but they his numbers didn't wow you. Yeah. And shoe is a numbers guy. I think if you look at Steph's numbers from the first MVP to the second, his second year was the numbers were mind-boggling. The first year, his numbers were just really – they were solid. You know, hell, his numbers have been better every year since, since his first yeah, he
1: exactly, exactly.
0: What, what, and, what, and he, again, to your point, the narrative, it, it's, he's not really in it. But, and he, that first year, why? Because no one saw Golden State having the best record in the league. Right. Are we, are we
1: underselling LeBron Shue and what he's done with that team? <laughs> or does the fact that they are brutal – on one side of the ball, no, yeah, set me up. Yeah, I'm just. You made you made, you raised a good point earlier in our conversation before we we got on the podcast here, but it's a very good point.
3: LeBron, it's it's one of the most most incredible offensive seasons we've seen. Mm-hmm. Like, and we just talked about it, like he's shooting seventy five percent in the restricted area. The guy is a monster at the age of was it thirty three? Yeah. In his 15th season. But and he had the Cavs rank 28th defensively. The only teams that have been worse defensively than the Cleveland Cavaliers are the Sacramento Kings and the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> and those teams are terrible, right? And so they rank 28th defensively, and LeBron James is a reason why they rank 28th defensively. He's not the reason. You know, they got other bad defenders on that, but mm-hmm. he is a reason. If you've watched. Some of their bad defensive games, some of their bad defensive possessions, he's part of that. And so that's it for me. Like, you, can, you can't you can say that about James Harden. You can say that James Harden's not a better defender than LeBron, and that's true. When LeBron's engaged, he could be the def- best defender in the league. Um, but James Harden isn't—James Harden's team doesn't rank 28th defensively. James Harden's team's in the top 10 defense—on defense. Yeah. Uh, on defense. Um, and so— you know, I was listening to um, Zach Lowe's podcast with Howard Beck last week, and they were talking about, you know, how we don't really discuss defense when we talk MVPs. You know, we didn't discuss defense when Iverson won the MVP or when Steph won the MVP or Nash won the MVP. Um, but if your team is in the top two or three in the conference, your team is probably decent enough defensively um, to be there. You know, Nash's team, teams were about right about average defensively those years. Um, and so I went and looked. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, so I went and looked and looked at the last 40 MVPs, and only two of them have ranked on a bottom 10 defensive team, and only one of them ranked on a bottom five defensive team. That was Moses Malone when there was only 23 teams in the league. Um, and so it's, the Cavs are weird, right? Like they're a great team, but their defense is terrible and and so and maybe they're going to flip the switch again this year and their defense is going to be fine in the playoffs but um for the most part they've been rather mediocre um and their record is better than their point differential if you look at their point differential it's it's been fairly mediocre all year and that's because their defense has been terrible so well, will see and that's why i think though guys we're, we're completely over
0: analyzing this because i would <laughs> say for that reason is why he should be more in the conversation <laughs> because think about what this team has gone through. Like we don't give credit to him for what he's dealt with with the team. They, you know, the, you, you but he's part of that it. though, he, GA. I mean, he's part he, of he, uh, the, the, the the drama. drama. Who was supposed to be the guy that came in right and to replace? It was an old team, a really old team. Part of this trade, they didn't have anybody that could defend. Like and so like to say, well, you know, he could be better. Yeah, but you got to have – defense isn't just about you and your matchup. Defense is about everybody being where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to do in terms of rotations. The stats, they can tell you about how all the stats tell you. The stats don't tell you. That's a bunch of B.S. If that don't tell you all of that. The fact
3: that he's but had to I, go I mean, and he watch watch him in transition. Watch him in on weak side. He doesn't rotate a lot of times.
0: Uh, uh, again, again, that's that's fine for you to make the comment. That that, that comment, I just don't agree with you. I, I I don't put all of their defensive woes on him. You know, I don't either. Rebounding is a part of defense, and is, has he been as good as he could be defensively? No. Nah, but by the same token, does he play with the same kind of defensive players that? James Harden plays with. does nah, he play he with, play with of there, nah. players that you think about Golden State, who's taking a step back defensively this year, but Kevin Durant's become an all NBA defender. Raymond Green's always been that. Klay all three of those guys, Clay Thompson, they're all all NBA defenders. Is is think of it this way: is is Richard Jefferson, Kyle Korver, Channing Frye? When you he's playing, he was playing with those kinds of guys. At this stage of their career, like, think about that in, in the finals last year. Like, those guys aren't, it, you can't rotate when you're playing because those guys aren't like, they're, they're getting blown by. Like, they're not in a play. You can't react quick, quick enough to help when people get blown by. That's the thing about defense. No individual, defensively. Giannis, Giannis DeCoupo, isn't he a great defender? Where's Milwaukee at, defensively? Yeah. Because you can be a great defender, but if you don't have a perfect example, Kawhi Leonard, is he not arguably as good a defender as we have in the league? Yeah, when he's in in uniform, Is he not? And when he's healthy, is he not? Sure. Go look at San Antonio's stats for a year this year. He's played nine games. They are still the best defensive team in the league. Think about that. They're not. They didn't fall off the face of the map. They didn't drop a little bit. They're. Every bit as good defensively across the board this year as they were last year, without him. Yeah, without him. It, like that—that's that, my point. So, like, to sit there and just—I well, watched him, but he—you know—he didn't rotate on that <laughs> possession. But just watching, right, watch I like, really. like 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 watch him consistently, like in transition. Transition is Woods the one golf, you see every shot he hits. So you can you you focus on the ones he hits back. You only see the other guys highlights, And that's how it is in the league. I
1: like, like what y'all get LeBron, into.
0: Every game is on television. You see every play he plays, and we nitpick him more. Now, again, I'm not saying they are a bad defensive team, and he could <laughs> be better, but by the same token, he's in his 15th year trying to go to his eighth finals. He's trying to make – and he had not missed a game. He's trying to make sure he's going to be ready come playoff time because he can't necessarily – as great as he is, at this stage of your career, nobody can go and physically do all of that. Yeah. When he's got to extend himself as much as he does on this team offensively to have chances win. Because they can't win with their defense consistently over the regular season. But I do think now that they got younger guys, they got a little bit more time to get those guys integrated. They still improve some defensively. Uh but but like that's a big part of this stuff. Like we 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 lose a different narrative with him because again I like I said, like James Harden didn't all of a sudden, the same guy that we killed for his defense last year. We're not even missing And now, him. Yeah. Yeah. Saying, oh, he's a much better defense. We're going to talk about every guy they brought in is a better defensive player. Mbamute, yeah. they brought in. P.J. Tucker, Chris Paul. Chris Paul's an all NBA defender. Like, they brought in an entire, they changed their entire culture defensively. Yeah. Now, And I would say, put LeBron, switch LeBron and James Harden. Yeah. And see <laughs> Like, you know, your team has a – it's a team sport for a reason. One guy ain't going to change you defensively overnight. And that's my point about Kawhi with how great a defender he is because he is. Look at San Antonio. They're not winning because of their offense. But but is it fair
1: when LeBron has been given so much credit in years past for being an elite defender and for him to drop off the way he has and still get – that credit, you know what I mean? Is I can see where you look at it and go, he's not nearly as engaged as he has been defensively now compared to what he was as
0: recently as three years ago. He can't. Well, I, I mean, it's I impossible that, for him to do it is as a defensive player. Mm-hmm. Basketball is a game of trust, and just like on the offensive, it's the same issue James Harden had offensively with his team the last few years. He'll end up making bad plays offensively because he doesn't trust. That his guys are good enough. Yeah. Now he's playing with a guy he can trust offensively, and Chris Paul. And and in terms of he looks at Chris Paul as a guy is is on his level. He hasn't done that before in Houston. Right. You know that that makes a big difference when you have a player. And when LeBron looks at the group he plays with now, his trust isn't the same. And he's also saying, like you know, I could. Yeah, he knows he could be better defensively, and he and, and you want him to be better. Yeah, but. Him being better defensively isn't going to improve them defensively. And my point being, like, when when you cannot keep a guy out I of the game I disagree with that. <laughs> he's not going to be able to make those plays. And he's got to also – he's got to play like a great high school player would play who can't come out the game. Right, He's got to pace himself, stay out of foul trouble, and give himself a ch- his team a chance to win because it's more important for him to be on the floor. He doesn't have a culture of defense around him. That's what they're going to try to – up upon that's why they wanted to get more athletic. Damn you, like, Kyrie! You, know, you, you gotta, you gotta have some. I'm blaming Kyrie. You've got to Really look at the roster he played with last year. Kyrie Irving. Did we ever say Kyrie was a really good defender? <laughs> no, no. What, what did he go to? The, he went to a culture a lockdown defensive, defensive oriented yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, you know, like so that's my point. Like let's, you know, and again, I'm a James. I got James Harden as MVP uh, because of what they've done. I'm not taking anything, but but. To sit here and discount LeBron, like, generally what I would say is, here's a guy in his 15th year having a season he's having with that roster, and they're still going to be the favorites to win the East. That, that tells me he's pretty damn valuable. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it tells me, that he can have this season with this turmoil, this adversity, not even having the other. Now Kevin Love becomes the second-best player. He hasn't been there for an extended period of time. We we don't talk about that stuff either, and, and yet when we come when we come down to it, they're going to be the favorites to win the East. Should you now and you so that that's pretty valuable to me.
1: Sure, now you understand. Ga, if we if this is the if this is the NBA Congress, Ga is the Speaker of the House. He's not happy. <laughs> like, he
3: he, <laughs> he was not Believe allowing. You, I mean, I,
4: and I don't want to come down as
3: like as like as yeah like throwing like shade on LeBron's season because it's been incredible, right. but like, I mean, you talk about yeah how their their roster or you know all the roster turmoil had, uh, that they've had and and you know obviously it's not as good as supporting cast as in the past, but he's part of that you know like before the trade deadline he was semi tuned out you know like he was not. So like he he's a part there's of no
1: question yeah there's no question
3: about he, he's a a, a so, part of but, the the issues that they've had this year it's well, like well, not well, so, run so, away from that
0: he's a part of the issues so how about LeBron not come there the last four years who would be a part of the issues then before he came back to the police well there would be I, no like, issues so like, yeah think about it like yeah. you gonna say the reason that Cleveland's relevant. But it's kind of his fault, relevant. <laughs> he won a championship, he's taken a three straight final, That he's going to be favored to take him to a fourth. And oh, by the way, look at, we, look at this team. Let's be real now. To show you how good the guy is, we all, at least I do, I think you do, who You may not. I expect him to get to the finals. And, I'm 50-50 right now. And again, the Eastern Conference improved. I think we can all at least agree it's an improved conference. But he's not going there with three Hall of Famers. You know, he's not going to be trying to win a championship with, with, you know, all this overwhelming talent. He's got a bunch of young guys coming from LA that had never even played meaningful basketball. You know, Kevin Love, who is a very good basketball player, now is going to have to be elevated. But, but I'm just saying again, it's not to defend him. But well, let's be. This guy is 15th year. No, no, he's no there's no question. What he is no as question. a basketball player. This this guy, and, and I guarantee you, they're going to have a say in who ultimately wins it all. No, and, and that's there's all no I'm question. Like no, to, no question. To sit here and try to degrade. A, no, a no, little, no, 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 no. What no, he's no. doing is a little, a bit much for me. No, I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think we need to knock him. To build up somebody else's resume. No. James Harden is MVP. No, I don't, I, don't think MVP years ago. I
2: don't think we have He's
1: to. I don't think we have to. He's MVP. I'll say this. I'll say the strongest case for LeBron, and, this, and we can finish this conversation on this this note. The strongest case for LeBron is one that a lot of people make to me on social media all the time, which is, will you take him off this team and where would they be? Well, you take LeBron off Cleveland's team this year with all that they've had going up. He just did literally, you took a magic wand and, and zapped him from that existence in Cleveland. They are a lottery team, period. They're not even not even in the conversation for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference with all the drama they've had and the, the reshuffling and the changes and the revamping at the deadline. And you can say, well, they had to do that because of this and the other. Without yeah. LeBron James in their mix, they're a lottery team. Period. They wouldn't look, fall. Look they wouldn't at, fall that far Boston defensively. Look Gordon
0: Hayward and Kyrie Irving, and Marcus Smart. They yeah. won six in
1: a row. Okay, no,
0: you're right. I, I, I'd be willing to lay money that this group wouldn't win six in
1: a row. This is the no shade zone on LeBron. I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm done with it. Shoot.
3: I hope your blood pressure is cranked up a little bit. You just better not have Donovan Mitchell for Rookie of the Year though, not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't even think it's close, and <laughs> me I it. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. <laughs> All right. I'm with you. Listen, we didn't even get to the All NBA Cause I had a conversation today, and I, I told people, I said, "Listen, there's a good chance." I said, "I don't know if Russell Westbrook's All NBA this year," and they lost their mind. <laughs> it's and I'm the truth. Like, well, look at his look numbers. at the guards. And, and, and again, I go back to it, like, yeah, the numbers are the numbers are the numbers, but I'm like, you know. If I would come into this season, you told me that okay, she's going to trade for Carmelo and Paul George and that they would have a worse record than they had a year ago. Yeah, l- l-
1: just look I mean, at the guards. Look at the other guards you have to consider. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, these guys... Don't get me started. I mean, these guys have had great years. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, said, I think Chris Paul's all NBA this year. Oh, there's no way. I, I said, I don't know how... I mean... The, Dude, they, they got 62 wins. Yeah. Well, you know, like. Itself, well.
3: There's going to be two or three guards going to feel snubbed yes. for all NBA. Yes. But it's not about, yeah. and like LeBron and MVP, it's not about snubbing them. It's, it's about, about the, the greatness of somebody else. There being eyes. too, ma- too yes. many good guys. Exactly. Yes.
0: And, and that's my point. See, and I'm with you there, shoe. but that's my point. Like, I don't, I don't make the argument against, well, LeBron's team isn't as good defensively. I just say, no. Nah, James Harden's team's got a six game lead in the West over a team that has basically the best win percentage over the last four years in the history of the league, or roughly. For him to do that, like, that's deserving of the NBC. Yeah. Like, no question. End of story. They got under. I, it doesn't matter what anybody else did. No. You know, he, what he did is what wanted. It's not that somebody didn't do something. And and that's my argument to your point, you guys' point. No, like, no. I'm just like, look, to me, Dame Lillard's first team all NBA this year. I said I would have Lillard and Harden first team. I, I, to me, I just Damian Lillard's having a historic season. You know, I'm not. I'm not that when you look at it, it's not. They don't blow you away with talent.
1: No, not at all. I'm 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 willing to couch this discussion so we can save some more of this argument for next week's hang time podcast. How about that?
0: <laughs> you
1: got it, brother. Appreciate you, shoe, as always, with the shoe, stat, and uh, check that blood pressure. G.A. can All get right, you fella. All right. All um, right. I'm going to check my blood pressure right quick, too, because it's bragging rights time, G.A., and
0: Uh-oh.
1: I can't remi- I got so caught up in Michigan's run to the Final Four and everything, I don't even remember what my picks were last week. John, seriously, did I have another awful week? Just tell me now. Give me a sneak peek before we even get started. Two and one. Woo, woo! All right, I'll take it two and one.
4: Ga was also two and one. Damn! So going into the woo. final week, you are still down oh, a game. Come on, so you go at twenty six and twenty two. Oh. Ga at twenty seven and twenty one. This week for well, the final week, we got one more week. We're <laughs> going to do three games again, but for the third game, we're going to do a score as well okay. in All case right. we got a tie All after right. this. All All right. Right. So starting on Thursday night,
0: we're not going to have a tie. Don't
4: worry about it. <laughs> Thursday we night, have no tie starting with Blazers at Rockets. Oh, my gosh.
1: And the Blazers are, like, locked in, and the Rockets are uh, kind of in an emotional tailspin right now. So... That would lead me well, to— be, I,
0: You know what? I'm laughing about that, too, though. Well, I mean, because relatively speaking, nine, of course, they yes. They're 9-1, they last 10. I know, but that, you— That's scary when, you, when I you're know. struggling and you nine and one
1: they're, they're like in this emotional free fall, according to Mike D'Antoni. So I don't, I'm going yeah. with the Rockets to, to stabilize themselves. I'm, I definitely need the Rockets to handle that game.
0: I got to go with the Rockets, too. I just—coming off the Spurs game, I'm assuming Chris Paul will be back. Uh, and I do think they want to try to build some momentum and make statements. Make a against statement teams against teams that, that team. Yep. See. Yep. They might see <laughs> in the postseason. Yep.
4: Then for the second game, we're going to stay on Thursday night on TNT, Wolves at Nuggets. Oh.
1: Nuggets <sighs> are still Nuggets. Nuggets still got a chance, right? Yep. Yeah. They control Absolutely. their destiny. I'm going – is Jimmy Butler back, though?
4: They he said could be back he, potentially, right? Yeah, they said today he got back to full – yeah. Participant, but. I'm
1: going to, listen, I got to make up a game. I'm going with I'm going with the Wolves. I'm going Timberwolves. Well, I'm going Nuggets. Yeah, I'm going Timberwolves. The that nuggets, can, that, that's, that's my season really right there. Really good at home. That could be my season right there. I just want you yeah. to know that. That could be it. Jimmy Butler, that could be it. Cat, Andrew Wiggins, show up now. This is it. It's for the, this is for the win.
4: Then the final game that, uh, also give me a score for this, we're going to do Cavs at Sixers on Friday oh night. Oh, my gosh. I wasn't gonna make it easy.
1: Of course not. Um, no, Joel Embiid, LeBron. Over, I'm going Cleveland, and my score is 108 to 101.
0: All right. Ooh, I- I'm also gonna go Cleveland. I'm gonna go one one thirteen to one hundred and two. <laughs>
4: All right, so if, if I lose if the this Wolves by win, a whisker. If the Wolves win, it's going to come down to.
0: The score. Yeah. All right. Wow. Yep. And if so, the Wol- but if the Wolves don't win.
4: Yeah, if the Wolves or- don't
1: win, I'm doing like, like I did during the Michigan game last night, putting it on mute for the last few minutes and just hiding out, hoping my, <laughs> hoping nobody texts me and blow up my text.
0: <laughs> Trying to, try to remember what, how good a run it was. Exactly. Like, it was a good game. Exactly. <laughs> Trying to act so like I don't good.
1: know what you're talking about. What? What did I say? Huh?
0: <laughs> no, Me? <laughs> I, I, was, I was peeping you on Twitter, too. Oh, I was silent. You were giving it to Smitty. Yeah, I oh. well, initially was, giving yeah, I was all
1: over Smitty, and I said, you know what? Let me hush, just in case. Uh, just in case Villanova drills us, and they did.
0: Yeah, uh, you, you know what's crazy? The Big Ten has oh, had my many man. teams in the Final Four the last – I think it's 15 years as anybody, and getting lumped and every time in championship game. They don't yeah.
1: have a national champion. It's it's a, I think it's a it's talent. A crazy stat. I think it's a talent disparity that only catches us at that level. Like when you get to that game, and you realize we got teams that are really talented, but maybe not talented enough in spots to get over the hump. Because it's not like there've been been a bunch of blowouts. I mean, there've been a couple. But oh. they've been relatively competitive games where we just don't, as a as a league, don't quite have enough to get that championship. So um, I'm hoping it it changes. Though. I'm hoping my Wolverines find their way back to the Final Four here soon. They got a, they got a good recruiting class, yeah. And right these wrongs, baby. And right these wrongs. And we're in the market for point guards. Is there Any elite young point guards out there? This might be con- misconstrued point. as a recruiting violation, but so what.
0: Oh, you guys, you guys right on the street. You guys are in the mix for a lot of the yes. top young know, boys. So I'm good. I'm, I'm waiting to see how it all plays
1: I'm willing to tamper. Uh, I'm willing to do some tampering <laughs> to make it happen. <laughs> um, listen, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts for new episodes all season long. Which the season, regular season at least, is coming to an end. Don't forget to leave a glowing review. We'll be back with an NBA playoff special preview next week on the Hangtime podcast so don't miss out on that shout out to rex chapman and our main man john schumann as always ga enjoy la in the game tnt and uh we'll be listening watching and we'll see you right here next week on the Hangtime podcast
0: thanks for listening to
2: the hang time podcast and be sure to subscribe on apple podcast for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say kuna Matata.